Welcome to the Fatty Z Musky Podcast. I'm Andy. Joining the phone, I have Vance. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. And we have Todd. Hi, Todd. I'm here with bells on. Let's go. Jingle, jingle. Jingle, Perfect. jingle. Excellent. Merry it's getting there, I guess. I mean, one day closer. Um, all right. This podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Musky Products. Um, we're making baits. We're going to have them at the show. I'm not putting them up on the site, but we have rod holders on the site. That is for sure. Best rod holders on the market. Um, don't take my word for it. Hop on Facebook, peruse all of the uh, musky, you know, gripping grins. Look in the background. If they're trolling, there's a really good chance you're going to see the AZ holders there. And there's a reason. They are, and I mean, this is this is my opinion now. They're the best. There's nothing else out there that's going to match them uh, for musky fishing. Uh, so if you're serious about it and you have some questions, feel free to reach out to myself and I will answer any questions. I'll help with boat setups. And sometimes that even means I'll recommend another product should I feel that that would be um, a better fit for your style of fishing. Um, the baits, find them at Team Rhino Outdoors or Musky Tackle Online. We're going to be talking a lot about <clears throat> baits today. Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Um, and it'll be it'll be fun. So with that, Todd, take it away. Go to Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. Get a hold of us. We will do our best to get you out there and get you on some fish. I'll be fishing uh, a little bit in April, May, Pennsylvania. Got some few trips lined up there right now. And then starting end of last Saturday in May through the end of November, mid-November, uh, Vance and I will be up on Chautauqua Lake and uh, get a hold of us sooner rather than later because the dates are filling quickly and we're going to do everything we can get you out there and get you on some really, really great fishery. Perfect. Absolutely. And if you come out with us, uh, you'll be fishing out of Ranger boats. Big shout out to them for sponsoring this show and sponsoring Muddy Creek fishing guides. If you need a Ranger, head on over to Vic sports center in Kent, Ohio. They have Rangers, Starcraft, Star Welds, now Tritons. Check them out for service. Check them out for boat setups. They're fishermen that set up boats. Very important. Also, when you come out with us, you'll be using top-of-the-line equipment. And look no further than St. Croix rods. You'll be using them when you're casting. You'll be using them when you're trolling. Very good, durable, simply best rods on earth. Two well-made points. Do you think that they're one thumb up or two thumbs up? Two thumbs up. There you have it. Another thing you might see on our boats are Baker Baits. Big shout out to him for sponsoring the show. Uh, and Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Don't really need to say anything about them. If you want one, come to the show. They speak for themselves. Very good. And a show that Baker will be at is the Muskie Max Plus. It is coming up very soon i mean we're talking under a month away it's getting exciting things are starting to get hectic over here um it's all part of the game but if you're not a vendor you can have it be nothing but excitement like todd was talking earlier christmas this is a lot of people's christmas <laughs> coming to these shows you're going to see the old time favorites you're going to see like wiley lures where are you else you going to get a wiley like let's be honest 
I mean, what's the weight now? Vance, Todd, do you guys know what the weight is to get a Wiley? Yeah, I mean, the last time Dale was on, he said it was like like a year. I think it's even longer than that. I mean, yeah. it, we're talking like taxidermy months for yeah. a fish. Right. So where else are you going to be able to like walk in and pick up a Wiley and Grab buy it author. like immediately? No waiting, no nothing. Just go in and get it. You can see the legend himself, Dale. He'll be there smiling. He always smiles. I never seen him not smile. Um, you can get Leo lures. Those are those are always great. There's a whole bunch of other great bait makers that come to this show. It's it's just like this little gem over here in Pennsylvania. It's not that far of a drive because we are in the western part of Pennsylvania. So Vance knows from last week, Pennsylvania is pretty long east to west wise, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. So it's right Especially there. Especially in the elements. That's right. It takes longer in the elements. You could have, you know, hit black ice and went in the ditch. Would have taken yes. longer. If you understand the <laughs> reference, Vance, the inside joke. I do. I do. Yes. Okay. Very good. Um, you know, so with that, you're going to have Baker there. You're going to have us there, which, you know, if you ask me, I'm number one or we're number one. Three bums. Yes. Um, so it's, the it's boss. Yeah, Bosch Dad's going to be there as well. Baker, Leo, Wiley, just, you know, all, there, there's a whole long list. So with that, Meatballs. Evan's going to be we there. That's right. On. He's coming out with a meatloaf. That's right. He took our word. No, he's not. I like the meatloaf. So anyways, so with all of that, come on out. It's a great, it's a great show. It's two days, which I think is really great. I mean, not. I'm just going to speak from from experience on this. Two day shows for a vendor standpoint, and I, I also think for like the uh, the people that are coming to attend the show, I just like a two day format a lot better than anything longer. Um, yeah. You know, there's it, really a small handful of those people that are going to be at that show that are whether they're doing their whether they're selling lures, doing guide business that like don't have another job. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice when it just covers those two days. <laughs> yeah, you you can kind of get there at willing. I mean, get it, back to work. And if you're a vendor, you have very flexible setup hours, like all the way till midnight the day before, uh, which is great. So you can work, you know, a half a day or a full day, whatever you're going to do. And so it's very fam- family friendly. It's just a great venue. Uh, it, it, it's at Princecape Arena, Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, March seventh and eighth. Check it out. And. Let's talk muskies, Inc. before we jump into stuff. Yeah, all kinds of stuff to talk about muskies, Inc. How much longer do we get into this, Andy? Should we start talking? Yeah. Yeah, so there was a little thing that, um, you know, it's kind of muskies. It is muskies, Inc. related that I, I want to hit on. Um, you know, recently we're, we're going to have a, a repeat guest on here again soon to talk about some stuff, but there was a, there was a post put up by this person. And I would say that as, and I'm going to leave things very generalized on this. I don't really want to go into details so much on this because I would really like to talk to this person in depth. Uh, a lot of people probably have already seen it, but there's just something that, I don't know, just some, some negativity stuff that I just don't like. And, you know, that is that there's been there's there's a good thing going on. 
And there's, I don't know, it must just be a social media thing, but people have to jump on and just immediately just try to blow holes in something good. Like, hey, we're all going to die, eat ice cream, and go to heaven. And people are like, well, you know, I, I don't like vanilla. I don't like chocolate, you know, whatever. I just don't get that, hey, this is, this is some transparency here we have. Check out what we're doing. This is what's going on. You can see some of the progress already. And when we get further along, we will post up photos and stuff of how all this stuff played out. And it's just like, I can't say, you know, I'm being that person. I just can't say anything nice. So I just got to hop on and throw in my two cents, even though it doesn't matter at all. And I just, that that's, I'm, I'm not going to change the world by me doing this little rant, but it's just like, what, what's the point? I mean, I, I, I mean, I do get into like little things online. I'm not perfect, but I'm always kind of trying to bring something to the table. And, uh, so just prior to the show, we had a nice little good laugh as Vance went to his go-to and, uh, he posted some stuff up Vance. What, what exactly did you bring to the table on that conversation? Um, Mark Henry, uh, the WWF wrestlers, uh, just a, basically a synopsis of, of him making it into the, uh, hall of fame. And that generally in a musky conversation, um, kills it. Oh, I was going to say it probably stimulates this and it, and it, you know, it, it clears the air, but it, it's, it's kind of like Vance's uh showstopper. This is a giant floating weed patch on Chautauqua yeah. that Vance has his go-to with. <laughs> There'll be more in the future, but right now I'm, I'm just, I'm running with the hot hand here of what seems to work. Yeah. And I mean, Vance Todd, do you guys understand like, the need to put yourself in the spotlight to, to just cast negativity on something that I'd say has been, you know, people worked hard for. No, I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, Start putting myself in the spotlight for negativity or at all. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, I don't get that. And, you know, and it's, you know, I, I think that I, I just, I, I think that that's, that's just as bad for the sport as, you know, anything else. I mean, that, that just kills it. It makes everything look bad. It, yeah. it, it just, and you know, in, in some of these comments are coming from places that aren't even affected by it. So I don't even understand why you got to get in there, wiggle your finger around and then just, you know, move on with your day. Mm, just, yeah, like the, the fish that's caught in Minnesota and the guys holding it with a a boga or something like that. And they're like, that fish is dead and they live in New Jersey or something. Yeah. So yeah, they're like, they just have to jump in and and cast the negative, uh, over it, which doesn't, you know, just turns into a pissing match. Yeah. And it, it does nothing to, uh, collectively bring the group together, but what children, 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 that's all it is. Yes. It's your inner child coming out and, you know, it shows brain activity and it le- leads me to believe that the majority of the people that do that are all from Erie. So <laughs> at one point in their life, so you just let it go. Um, so with that, trying to get everyone collected together, is there an organization that, you know, could, could bring, you know, one voice Todd? Man, if you could get involved in your local Muskie chapter, I mean, I, so Vance and I just got done doing our, 
uh, Muskie Road rules things. Vance had to drive away across the state to Philadelphia to do his, and I did one here in Pennsylvania. And you know, it was done. I brought up Muskie's Inc. at the end, and we had a couple people from the chapter stand up. They represented really well. I mean, and I said the same thing that I say here. You know, everybody in the room, you had enough interest to come here, and you know, pay the money and get involved. And every single person in this room should be a member of Muskie's Inc. You're just there's no other way. Uh, to get involved in the sport, uh, you know, with, you know, with some type of back, uh, backing other than get into the Muskies Inc. You know, you get into the, your Muskies Inc. Yeah. The money goes to the main chapter, but you know, your clubs do so much stuff, you know, getting ready to have our awards banquet here at, uh, you know, chapter 16. You can get, get on and you get the, uh, access to the lunch log you get a magazine every couple months but you know the monies are going back into musky fishing maybe it's not for your <laughs> exact area but your club can make that happen by getting involved in raising money to buy minnows to advance stocking efforts anything like that but it's so important to get involved in your local musky chapter if you're into musky fishing you should be a member and if you're not chainman I agree with that. And we're, you know, I think about Muskie's Inc. often and, and, uh, the minnow fund and hell, I mean, we, we fish PA two months a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we support our local chapter all the time, you know, we're kind of silent in it, but we, mm-hmm. we are always coming We're you know, currently working on a fundraiser, uh, for it. And we always like to write a check to them for the minnows. Um, I talked to a bait maker today. Um, and I can just, I can just say it, he's going to paint up a mud puppy, um, and I'm going to raffle it off and all those proceeds are going to go to, uh, chapter 16's, uh, minnow fund. I haven't told you guys about that, but it's, uh, what? yeah, well, I was just whatever, but, uh, I talked to, uh, Fred, uh, Fred Hold Bates okay. and he's making a, a nice little, uh, it's, uh, his his war pig, I think, is what he's doing. Nice five inch shad. He we've had him on the show before. Um, he's painting one up. We're going to raffle it off, and we are also we're going to give that to uh, our our local chapter of Chapter Sixteen. And this kid has no. He's part of he's part of a different chapter. Yeah. So, Was he sixty um, nine or seventy? Uh, he's one of, one of the New Yorkers. And, okay. um, so I just thought that that was nice. And, um, so we'll be doing that shortly here and just watch the social media pages and stuff like that. And you'll, you'll see it. And, um, I, I mean, what our topic essentially tonight is going to go to, uh, Muskies in chapter 16. So we're big supporters of them. I think it's great. I just renewed my, my membership today. Um, I got a notice in the mail and, uh, yeah. Very Supported. nice. I'm going to renew mine at the Musky Max Plus. Yeah, those guys are going to be down at the Musky Max Plus. That's where I'm going to do mine. And, uh, we're going to take care of business. All right. So, I mean, that, that's great. I mean, so having, you know, like Fred Holder give a bait, he's not even in the state. And that's like kind of the exact opposite. That's, that's the goodness here, you know, of, you know, another fellow bait maker who, you know, sees some positive stuff coming, you know, he's taking time, he's taking his money and donating this and, 
you know, we're going to put that. My God, is he ever taking his time too? I mean, the process into his bait making is unbelievable. Yeah. I should check that out. What he does, he goes way, way. Uh, he's up there. Very, very unique. Maybe the most unique bait maker that, t- that takes it to a different level. Uh, and he keeps challenging himself. So, yeah. So I can't wait to see that bait. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's great because you have a bait maker out of the state donating stuff to help, you know, like I just said, out of state stuff. And then you can have some people who aren't even in the state criticizing what the state is doing. It's, it's crazy, but Mm -hmm. that's a good thing here is, you know, everyone being positive and moving forward collectively. Big thanks. Muskies Inc. All right. So last week, we kind of touched on uh, a little bit of pain and some of the uh, things that I've been, you know, I kind of just laid out there some of the stuff that has changed and I've been struggling with lately. And we got a lot of feedback on that. And it just, it kind of fits really nicely right now because, um, you know, everything going on with, you know, our, uh, our little uh, donation that we make at the Muskie Max uh, with the Vance Customs. And we just so happen to have Vance himself come over to the pole barn and he painted up six customs. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm holding it right here, but before we dive into the Vance customs, I grabbed one of the six. I didn't grab them all. Um, they are un they are not completely finished though. His part is finished. Um, some things, you know, I just wanted to kind of, you know, Vance now has, uh, two times painted baits. And we're going to get some feedback on him on some of this. And I talked to Todd la, uh, in between the last two shows. And Todd, you, I want to put you on the spot. You yeah. also agreed to paint up some baits for the New York show. Is that true? Yeah. Yes, I will. Okay. So we're going to be doing some Todd customs or whatever he wants to call them at that point. Um, we'll do some things, doesn't Well, you, I, I'll, I'll give you some basic rundown. I, I kind of was shadowing Vance a bit to make sure, you know, he wasn't struggling with doing some stuff and uh, we're going to get his take on it. But kind of before that, I want to lay, lay some groundwork on, on some things that, you know, like my paint process. And I'm not going to go out and say that this is the only way you can, uh, you have to paint a bait. There was a lot of things and I'm going to probably miss them because I didn't write anything down. I'm winging this. Uh, that people have written or said or this or that just come right out and they're just like, you can't do it that way. And there's a lot of things that I do that I'm like, well, why not? And I just go and try it. So kind of like the positive show right now is just try it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Now, obviously, if it's like, I'm going to pull this pin on this hand grenade and set it next to me and paint, don't try stuff like that. Try stuff within the realm of you know being feasible for the uh, objective. Um, but pretty much, I mean, some of the stuff that we did early on, Todd, you remember, um, going way back when we were, we were making, you know, you made the blanks and then we were to kind of get like some, you know, imperfections out of the blanks. Do you remember Mm -hmm. what we were doing to the blanks prior to painting? It involved a gallon can of something. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had them out (laughs) in my shed dipping. I sure do. Yeah, so early on. It was part of my process at that point. Yeah, so 
dip them. I totally forgot about that. They brought that up. I, I didn't. I mean, I, I had the markings in my pole barn for years, the old pole barn. Yeah. We're and dipping them in uh, like, like floor, porch uh, paint or something like that. Or, yeah, or concrete paint or something. Yeah, I was. I had a, I had the racks. I would like dip them, put them on the rack, then I'd get them to you. Yeah, so the thought process here was, is, mm-hmm. you know, early I on. Atlantiana stuff there. Yeah, and I, what I kind of took it from that idea. To, I probably brought that idea up. We need to dip these. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you you talked a lot about another bait maker, and it wasn't it wasn't Ed. I'm not going to bring up who it was, yeah. but yeah. Th- they were talking it that there was like a several dip process to do these mm-hmm. baits, mm-hmm. and you know, this was back when I was still using Auto Clear as a top coat, like the final top coat, mm-hmm. and we were getting a lot of like. Not fish eyes, but like little prick holes. And when we would dip them in this extra thick paint, it would fill in the vast majority of them just because of the thickness of the paint. Yep. And that was early on. And I'm going to say other than it wasn't an extremely durable finish, it was a finish that did fairly well for what it was. Uh And the reason I'm bringing this up is I'm not calling this a failure. I'm calling this, this was a stepping stone. Some of those were killer baits. Oh, they were fantastic. And we had the little drips on the noses because we'd hang them from the tail up high. (laughs) Had to shave that off, yeah. And and then, you know, I I didn't, at that time, I I was using, remember, just a cocktail of different kinds of paints. Mm -hmm. I was using paints that I used the swimmer. I was using some paints that I'd get from, like, eBay. I got some paints from Hobby Lobby, and it was just this cocktail of stuff. And it all kind of worked. And mm-hmm. most, like, the, the common theme with all of these paints, except for that plastic paint, was it was all water-based. There's nothing wrong with water-based paint. I know some incredible painters that use water-based paint. I see they, yeah. they put their work up almost every day. In fact, one was, you know, the guy I'm actually thinking of, he's been a guest two times on this show. He does some really, really great stuff with water-based. But what I was, early on, I was faced with, only like forums. I was never on Facebook this early on and just going off of whatever that small chat room of people were. And you kind of like, Oh, this is the only way to do it. Look at their work they're putting out. So I was, you know, even though we didn't need to seal the baits, we were doing like a sealing coat air quotes with dipping. Yeah. And I just, I remember my OSB on the wall of that pole barn just looked like it looked like under a lamppost in a parking lot and there's seagulls around. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got so thick in some spots. It was, but that's how we started. Uh-huh. And, 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 and as you said, you were, you were going on and, you know, getting information off the computer, getting, getting some information there. It's not like we went and talked to somebody to do it. And I can remember we were having that problem. And, and, uh, when we first started and, you know, you said something, I said, well, you know, I've helped Dale. I've helped Leah party and not, not helping meaning like work for them, help them, Lathe, lathe plugs. I've known Ed Ladiano. I was like, well, we need to dip these things. That's what some of these guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just found our own thing and started dipping. We they st- did work. Yeah. And then what I, what did I, I'm trying to remember. Oh my gosh. If I had to dip all these plugs that we're making now, oh my gosh. It did would you peep the first time you did it? What's that? Generally, what happens when people dip? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was buzzing. 
Um, if I had to dip all these plugs now, oh my gosh, it'd be a long. So I grew up, it'd be a mess. So then I'd paint these things, and I had, and I think I've talked about this in the past. The old pole barn had the old furnace from the house, so. The previous owner before me put a new furnace in the house, took the old one, put it in the pole barn for the source of heat out there. And when this thing would wind up, it was it was incredible the amount of air that would come out because they didn't run ducting. They just let it kind of shoot out of the main trunk. And I was so worried about dust contamination that I had an old chest freezer that did not work. And I, I ran a extension cord with like a, a incandescent bulb on the inside. And I would, because I would keep that that pole barn, I wouldn't keep it extremely warm. I'd keep it warm enough. And to kind of like aid in curing of this, I was thinking temperature was the thing to do. So I kept the bulb in there and it stayed like 100, 110 degrees or something to that effect. And I had all these boards, like like one by fours, that I put uh, these finish nails in. And I would hang the baits from their tails on like, I forget what I had on. I think I just had, I think I had a screw eye in it, like a standard screw eye that you'd hang a hook on or the tie point. And I would very carefully take it off these vice grips that I used to hold it. And I'd put it on that finish nail. I'd get a rack of 10 or 11. I'd pick up the whole mess and set it inside this, um, retrofitted freezer. That's now a hot box. And I would just have them stacked in there. And I thought this was the, this was the way to do it. And it worked. They came out decent. I mean, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for those baits, we wouldn't have the baits we have today. I can tell you that. No, because we had a problem. Yeah. And we, we started, <laughs> we started, you know, tinkering away a little bit more, a little bit more. And then um, I did a little bit of E-Tex. I don't use E-Tex as my top coat now. I know a lot of people that do. Um there was a time, at least when I was paying attention to the forums, that they were trying to find a better mousetrap with the top coats. Mm-hmm. And there was E-Tex, there was Diamond 2, there was something else, there was that Solares, that UV stuff that kind of left it waxy feeling. I dabbled with the E-Tex because I think I could get it locally, and it was okay. I, I, I did okay with it. I didn't do any of like the AZ baits, I did do some other baits that I screwed with um, that weren't for sale. And it came out okay. It just felt soft. And it was probably me. I was still learning. I had only done a couple baits in it. And then uh, this was early, early. And when was this? This was like when Zach was really starting to get get things moving and shaking with, with Muddy Creek, Todd. Yeah. And I remember talking to him, and and he told me, Hey, try this stuff. And I, I tried this stuff. I, he promised, he told me to promise not to say what it is. And, uh, you know, whatever, seven, eight years later, I'm still to this day, I'm not going to say it. Um, it's, I don't think it's anything crazy special. And there's been a lot of other new stuff that has come out and up through the ranks, but I'm still using the stuff that Zach told me to use. And I don't know how many gallons of that stuff I've gone through, but a lot. And I, I've had really good luck with it. And I, I, this is one of these times that I'm like, I am, I'm keeping my eye out on for top coats for a better, faster, easier way, mm-hmm. but I'm not varying too much because what I have works very well. Yeah. But I mean, there, there are some things that do catch my eye. I do want to play around with a little bit. I just haven't like 
hit something with, with a success that I'm like, wait, I can build on this. But as of right now, I'm still using that top coat. And they won now for the last seven, eight years. Oh my gosh. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably seven, eight years. And you know, so we, okay. Moving, you know, moving for further forward, that top coat got us away from doing that dipping because now the top coat can level out some of these imperfections that we were getting in the blanks. Like if you looked at the blank, you wouldn't really see like, oh my gosh, look at this, look at that, whatever. It just yeah. is magnified from the paint and the clear coat. Mm-hmm. But when you can really force it into areas and by forcing just running a brush over it versus spraying it, you can hide that stuff. So we got away from dipping. And then we, st- you know, we, I, I actually at that point, things were starting to, you know, move better. And I was, one of the things that I kept saying is, and this is like something that can hold true with any part of your life if you're trying to do anything, is if you're doing a, a task or a job or whatever you want to call it, and you're sitting here saying how badly this sucks and there's got to be a better way, take a few minutes and try to find that better way because the big stepping stone for me to really get to painting a lot more baits faster was leaving the water-based paints behind and going to, I just call them automotive paints. Mm. I looked at the people, people like Dale. I looked at the people like, like Leo, those guys make a lot of baits and they're all using solvent based paints and they're just getting crisp, good, clean colors. So essentially I source my paint from a local auto parts store here and I'm very happy with it. They're knowledgeable. I can go down there. They'll mix up any color that I ever, you know, you, you can go to, I'm going to pick on Hobby Lobby cause that's kind of close to us. You can go in there and they're going to have what? 20 colors. Uh-huh. Go into your auto parts store that has paint and it's a lot of mom and pop stop, you know, shops there. Not so much. I mean, who knows? O'Reilly's or advanced. They might do paint, but I don't know if they do, but you go there and you're like, Hey, I'm looking for a color. And they're like, okay. And they hand 17 binders that are four inches thick. They're like, pick your color from like Uh every make of car. Every model has its own different shade and it has its code. And you can literally spend all day and $5 million on paint. So I just kind of started framing in my, uh, you know, my, my colors here. And I, you know, I got it to maybe Vance, how many colors do you think I have sitting there ready to go? 30. Okay. 30 colors. Um, so, I mean, that was a big thing. This stuff dries Vance. How were you concerned about doing some of the layering or even some of the, uh, penmanship on these baits, um, for fear of it not being dry? Yes. Did I mislead you by saying, just do it? Mm, No. Okay. So this stuff dries fast, more or less. And that's what Vance was saying. And I rudely cut him off. (laughs) So switching there, um, that helped me out a lot with just getting these baits to go. Um, It just flows so nice. I, I I was struggling a lot with my golds. Todd, do you remember like uh gold Rapala? Yeah. With the, with the water based. Mm-hmm. And one, a bit, one big eye opener for me 
Uh, I think we were at the Butler show or maybe one of the early Muskie Max shows. Might have been Butler. And Dale came over and he was looking at the baits and he was giving compliments. He was just being nice, to be honest with you. Um, and I was talking to him about, you know, like different things. And I'm like, do you know how many coats of paint I have to put on that gold Rapala? And we just struck up a small conversation. It was like mm-hmm. nine coats of paint I had to put on gold Rapala to make it gold. And it yeah, was such a thing. It's got to be more gold. Yes. And it yeah. just was, it was so <laughs> slow to dry and it would want to tend mm-hmm. to run when I put it on too thick. And I remember Dale like looking at it. He goes, do you know how many coats I'd have to put on? And I'm like, he's like, to get that effect? And I'm like, how many? He goes, I could spray from like the, he's making the motion from the tail to the head, from the head to the tail, and I'm done. And I'm like, I'm spending like all afternoon to get this. And you're telling me two strokes of the brush and you're done. And while it, it's not exactly quite like that, it's pretty dang close. It's fast. Um, the big thing is you're going to want a vent system and wear a mask. Um some people create make that as a, like a big barrier for the entry of it. It's not that bad, though. If you are painting in your basement, don't, don't. I don't recall wearing a mask today. Thank you. Uh, no, you, you didn't. But I also, what did I tell you to do with that vent hood? Uh, I extended my arm and said, "Listen, if you want to, if you want to inhale a lot of stuff, pull the bait way back here. If you don't, push the bait into the hood." Mm-hmm. I only had one mask, so I didn't think you wanted my big sweaty cheeks uh, that were just on that mask on your face. So I didn't offer it up. I'm sorry. No, but you know, met- methicillium and down the lines. Fine. Yeah. Sunday. Silicosis. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, Mr. Copenhagen or skull. Um, okay. <laughs> you yeah. had two cans sitting here <laughs> with giant labels. <laughs> Will calls cause face cancer. Okay. Okay. So continue. you got your dig. I got mine. So, um, continuing on with that, um, where did I leave off? Anyways, so that was basement. Yes. Yeah. If you're doing that in the basement, I tend to not recommend that. Um, something else that I went from, I had a little baby air compressor. So they make air compressors that are meant just for airbrushes. Have you guys seen those? They're the cutest little things. They're like the size of a lunchbox. Have you guys seen those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, exactly. yeah. And, and supposedly, you know, I heard a lot of people saying you want to buy this brand, you want to get this, this and that and whatever, and run your PSIs real low and, and all this stuff. And I just wasn't feeling it. Even, you know, when I was using the water, the water-based, I, I said, well, this ain't, this ain't working. So what do I do? I grab that regulator knob and I start cranking it up. And all of a sudden I'm throwing paint, like I'm throwing and throwing paint. And like any tool, once you learn how to use it, you know, harness it, throttle control, you can get a lot of stuff done. Um, if you're trying to paint more than one bait, if you can, if you can harness the power, crank up that PSI. Now, what you can't do is on those little, little baby air compressors that I just talked about, they're only going to put out so much. And I ended up getting like a little one and a half gallon Craftsman. And that thing was loud. It was an oilless, And, you know, people were talking on, on forums saying you can't run a piston compressor, you know, of like that, of that size, because you're going to see the pulsations in the air through your brush. Like when it's reciprocating, 
it's going to you know add a little PSI and you're going to have variations and and it it worried me hearing that stuff but I'm going to tell you this it doesn't matter I have since graduated to the biggest 115 volt air compressor there is it's a two stage Ingersoll ran and I'm literally powering this teeny tiny airbrush and yeah. I have it I have like 50 feet I don't even have that compressor near me I don't even want to see it or hear it I've listened yeah. to him enough uh, I'm sure, Todd, do you remember back in the day yeah. I'd be painting and all of a sudden it'd just get real loud? Yeah. Because yeah. the compressor kicked on. I was right next to it. Yeah. Yeah. There has I think to... We did the same thing at our shop. We moved it outside. We built our own special shed for the mm-hmm. compressor. You have to go out there and make sure everything was good every couple of days. But yeah, it's drain it, drain it, you know. Yep. Drain the water and all that stuff. Drain the water. And, yeah. So. But, Got the noise out of the room. Yeah, it it clears your head. Makes it hectic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, is that, that's the other thing. Use the air you have. You don't. I don't. I don't feel that you need to unless you want to invest in, you know, a specific air compressor. Because I'm running a whole bunch of. Di- I'm running. I'm running up to three different style guns, guns or airbrushes, whatever you want to call them. And kind of on that same topic was the big thing back in the day when I was on the forums was you need to have a gravity airbrush. Everything was gravity. And I painted a lot of baits with a gravity. I still have mine. I still like it a lot. But just this year, I switched over to a siphon feed with like them, you know, one, two, three ounce bottles underneath them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I probably say... For the painting that I'm doing, it's probably been one of the better moves that I've done. Um, I can, without having to, like, refill this little half-ounce cup on top. Yeah. What was it? Just, uh, I did a whole bunch of, so just this week, actually, it might have been yesterday. It was yesterday, in fact. I had probably close to 30 Golden Shiners, and... 39 mud puppies I was painting and I, I time my paintings so I can utilize the colors, you know, on multiple baits. And so I painted all of all the main gold parts of a Goldie and the bars on a mud puppy. And I used three ounces of gold, which back in the day, Todd, remember that, that water base, yeah. that would have been like, that would have been like a pint it would have been enormous. And the nice thing was, is when I was, you know, prior to this siphon feed, that's a lot of stops and fill up the little cup on top to, to do all this coverage. Yeah. Now I can just have it all hanging there in the bottle and I can go do whatever when it's done. You put the little cork on it, clean the brush. It takes three seconds now. Like as you know, prior to that, I had longer time in between colors. Switching colors is a lot easier. I don't think I left anything of accuracy on the table switching them over. I still have, in fact, I have two uh, gravity feeds. I love them, but I haven't been picking them up near, I don't think I've picked them up in the last couple months doing the painting. You think those guys are, are using, that's what they're using when these guys are doing these extravagant paint jobs and putting gills and, and painting fins. Are they using something like that? I'm going to think a lot of those guys are using the gravities. Um, I don't think, and and I think it's just the the thing that in your mind, 
because the paint has to be at the needle when you hit it, you might there might be a little more accuracy, but I'm not noticing it. Because with the okay. siphon, it has to actually use the Venturi effect to pick up the paint and hit and spray out. But I'm getting just as crisp lines. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure someone that's a lot better than me could probably point something out. But uh, a lot of that gills and all that crazy stuff is stencil work. So there's there's a little leeway on, on getting loose. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, something, uh, one big thing that changed me over to even attempt that was... I sometimes like to watch when other bait maker, like bigger production bait makers, I'm going to let's just pick on Berkeley or something like that. They'll put up like little videos that you can watch. And when you see these people painting, you know, what might be tens of thousands of baits a day, mm-hmm. they're using siphon feeds. They're picking mm-hmm. them up and they're going. And these siphon feeds, there's not so much of a worry of the paint drying out in the cup. Because, yeah. and, and, and they can see the color they have. So they might have five or six airbrushes lined up, all with a color. And they go, set one down, grab the next one. And they and there's just a fast change. And then, you know, the, the cleaning the gun is pretty simple because it's just a small little passage you got to clean out. Um, yeah. That was, that was a really cool thing. I was a little nervous switching over, but now I, I really like the gun. Vance, do you remember anything from the last last year's uh, Vance Customs to this year, uh, gun-wise? Yeah, it's not a top loader anymore. Um, was that confusing, or could you notice a difference? I thought it was a lot cleaner and a lot uh, easier uh, to kind of get down the motor skill uh, rather than have paint like kind of like oozing at the top and <laughs> you move you know, your you hand sh- and it spills a shaky yeah. <laughs> yeah a shaky hand or something like that i thought what you did there was efficient and not surprising coming from you excellent so anyway so that that was some of the stuff that that you know i have since i've since done i guess a couple other little things i'm gonna let vance do some talking since i've talked the most of this show was People, the painter. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> we don't I, I'm passing the torch over. That's why I'm going to let you. It's going to be passed uh, to you two. Um, I've painted 12 baits, and I think Todd has done three with a sharpie. Probably some other baits in the back. Yeah, in the, uh, painting back, the back in sharp back in yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you're you're going to know much more about this stuff. Technical stuff, of course. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty much the basis of, of of my paint there. And some of the other things that I, I don't want to say like myths or debunked or whatever, but just I'm going to say some maybe misguided information was um, the when you're putting the epoxy on a bait. A lot of people in the past I have read say they have a candle burning near there and they'll use the uh, heat or whatever, the carbon dioxide or whatever that flame puts off to pop the bubbles because you're going to get bubbles in the actual epoxy itself, and you need to get them out. So they're using that heat, flame source, whatever whatever byproduct of that flame, they claim to pop these bubbles that are in it. Um, I, I would say that I'm a when I come to mixing that epoxy, I am very sloppy. I mix it just like a washing machine. I'm in there just whipping it to a foam 
because I have a lot of baits to do. I can do 40 baits on one mixture of epoxy. And if I jack around too long, those last couple baits are going to really suck to try to spread that epoxy. But I have yet to like really have it hard up to where I didn't finish my 40. And that 40 could be, it's generally a mix of 10 inch, eight inch and six inch hard baits. Um, so I'm putting down a lot of epoxy with that mix. Um, but what I end up doing is I use a heat gun because I wasn't quite sure on the chemistry of what was being told to me with the byproduct of an open flame to uh, pop these bubbles. I wasn't doubting the effectiveness of it. I just was curious about what, where was that, this coming from. That seems interesting that they would use a candle, which would essentially be what, like carbon and hydrogen? Yeah, there's, That's I mean, the and then you, you, you might be putting off going, a wax product too. Yeah, but the, to pop a bubble out of epoxy, that, that just seems like a long way and a really tedious way to do it. Um, I agree. I didn't, I didn't try that at all, but just, yeah, that's bizarre. Um, and I, I, you know, another person, again, I'm going to leave them nameless. They, uh, and I tried this recently and I'm going to, I'll post, I'll tell you the results right now. So I'm a, first I'll tell you what I've been doing for the long, long time is I just use my heat gun. I have the heat cranked and I just get so used to picking it up. The switches on the handle, my hands sliding up when I'm picking it up and it takes me, what do you think? five, six seconds of bait to go around the bait, hit the majority of the bubbles. I normally go around the bait twice and I'm using that time to hit it in the light to try to find any, you know, there's sometimes there's, there's a, your brush will cover an area, but there'll be like a stroke line. That's like a hair thin for whatever reason, the epoxy didn't go there. Try to go back and, you know, touch that up and stuff. And it's a long, tedious task. And I'd say I get, I do pretty well at finding these things. And you know, I find them after the fact more than, you know, you know, I'd say some slip by, but for the I most think, part. And you can kind of push that epoxy around with that heat gun. Um, I also think that it's, you're less enough to get bubbles on a resin uh, than wood. Yes, because you're, you're talking about like a sealed process. Exactly. Like when, when you get that, when that thing's primed, painted and all that stuff, it's pretty much sealed, you know, already. That's There's right. not cracks and air in it. So you can get away with that quickness of just hitting that with that heat gun mm-hmm. all the way around. And uh, you set it right on the wheel and you're ready to go. Yep. That's, that's right. Now, the thing that I, I tried just this past week was a tip was you ever, I'm sure everyone's seen those like burns torches where you, you pull the trigger and it, it, it ignites for you and you have instant yeah. flame for soldering. That was a tip from someone else. And I tried it and I'm going to tell you, it was freaking fast. I mean, you yeah. had to move that flame fast. Did it, did it push you? Did it push your epoxy? Uh, a little bit. I, I just, but I'm also like thousands of baits familiar with the heat gun. I gave it probably mm-hmm. half the wheel worth of doing it. And I'm going to tell you this, like instantly popped almost like 95% of the little air bubbles that were in it, just like instantly. The problem mm-hmm. that I was facing was um, I wasn't quick enough and that I would, I would get it hot and I, I wouldn't, 
that epoxy would get so warm so fast, I would tend to get a drip or two come off and land on my hand, land on my shoe, whatever. So I wouldn't, it did its job beautifully. It was just faster than what I'm used to. And I didn't have that time to hit it in the light and follow the light to see if there's anything crazy while putting the epoxy on. But that worked really well. Uh, so kind of going back to that initial, I use a candle. I'm not convinced that there's something else there that's popping these bubbles. I think it's almost a, it's going to thin the epoxy. The bubble's going to rise to the surface. And if that bubble starts getting warm, it's going to expand and then pop or something to that effect. I think it has to do more with the heat than um, the byproduct of the flame. Now, I do think that somewhere in the instructions on one of these was to take us like a torch. If you're doing this on a table and kind of, you know, lightly torch it, but I don't know. Again, this is just my findings, and this is what I've done. I'm doing just the same, a little bit slower, more controlled with a heat gun than with an open flame. Um, Let me ask you this. Did you notice a difference in finished product clarity as opposed to the gun? I'm going to say no, because I just I, I moved all those baits today to make room for you, and they all looked mm-hmm. the same. They all felt the same. Mm-hmm. Um but it, as far as like a milkiness or something? No, like it, like little like little bubbles left. Okay, or so like little you know, left. yeah, little stuff left. Are you looking at kind of like a uh, a cloudy top? You know, a cloudy raptor? As or does it look like yeah, that thing's glass? That's what I was thinking like a little bit too much heat. You'd think it could actually make like a boiling effect or something, and you'd end up with a cloudy looking clear finish. That's what I would think would happen. Yeah, I never, I never kept it in place long enough to try that. But yeah, like Mm -hmm. what Vance was saying, there's times that you're just going to have, you can wipe the epoxy. Let's just say you wipe it on a flat surface. It will Mm -hmm. almost look white because all it is, is just these micro air bubbles. And if if you, and, and and sometimes they have spots they collect, like in the Raptors, it's the very upper part of the eye because there's a hard shelf in there. Yeah. And, And they'll collect up in there and, you know, you can get them to come out, but you can't spend all day doing it. Um, like, you know, that, that wood table I made you that kind of has like the petrified look, Andy. Yes. Out that, of that maple. I, I, yeah, I used a heat gun on epoxy mm-hmm. for a bar top, but it's an enemy when it comes to wood. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there for like an hour and be really, really tedious with that heat gun. Like, oh, there's a bubble. Zzz, pop it. And I'd stare at it. I'd be like, okay, I'm finally done. I'd go up in the morning, boom, bubbles everywhere. And I'm just like, I, what is what is wrong with this thing? Like, I, I just, why is this not working? Mm-hmm. And um, I'd have to sit there and sand it all the way back down to get to that, to get to that bubble uh, prior to putting on another uh, coat of epoxy. Or epoxy and do it all over again. And do it all over again, and it would happen again and again and again. And the way that I got good at it, I was like, I have to pre-seal this wood with something uh, extensively so that these bubbles are not happening. This has to be like a solid finish table with an extra flare to it. Uh, it would be kind of like something like I'm done at Auto Clear. Mm-hmm. You know how the Raptor used to be, and then you put that epoxy on that durability to it. It just looks completely different. That's how the table process went with me. And um, I don't care if you had a heat gun or a uh, a 
freaking bonfire next to it. Those bubbles were gonna they were gonna show up eventually unless I sealed it prior. Um, yeah. yeah, seal it prior to that. But um, epoxy is like an endless conversation with finishing. It's like a leader almost in the musky game. Uh, and when you go to painters, you could just talk about epoxies all the time um, because it's such a tedious and kind of like an annoyance um, because this is, that's it. I mean, this is it right here. You know, that's the final product. If you screw this up, that bait, you made it from the mix, the mold, boom, out, you painted it you got to put this last step on and if you screw that up, I mean, you just wasted the entire bay. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, you know, it was making room for you today. I, uh, was taking baits off, off pegs. Cause I, I have, I have since now made my own handles to, uh, hold, hold these baits. I'm sure if you've hopped anywhere on the social media, on our Facebook page or something, you probably have caught them in the background they're nothing special but they're handles so we just call them the pegs and i took them off the pegs and there was a six inch orange belly perch that i took off i went to spin it off and like a pinky nail size of the tail just popped right off with it and i'm just like you were this close to being done you yep. made it all the way and you gave up the ghost so we have a six inch that's a muddy creek bait, right? Oh, that was either that or can you soft tail it? <laughs> I mean, if if it the, the six inch soft tails have different holes location drilled, that's the that's the stinker sure. with it. The eight inch raptor. It's a muddy creek bait. Yeah, it's a muddy creek bait then. Yes, it is. So, okay. So with that, Vance, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of pass this one uh, over to you, and I want to hear how how you're painting went uh moving forward on today i got to go over to andy's and uh paint today were you excited was, uh, i was excited you know you, my you, palms you... are sweaty knees weak arms are heavy vomit on my sweater already mom's spaghetti that's right you look nervous but on the surface i was calm and ready uh, to drop to some paint, paint. <Yeah>. So anyway, um, I mean, um, you, you, you came over and you were very vocal about like, man, I'm nervous a little bit. And I don't know if you were playing a game or if you were actually like nervous, nervous. I was just nervous that I couldn't get out what I wanted to paint on the bait. Uh, the layering is where, cause I was thinking about it, uh, for a long time. And I was like, I really think I can make this thing look cool, but I don't understand the layering of it what goes down as a base uh, to get the final product. Um, and we had talked about this, this bait called the stoplight that I wanted to do. Uh, you know, so the colors would consist of like a goldish yellow, a red, a green, and, you know, some dark stuff. I don't know. More, more or less like a filler of, of sorts. To yeah, take a up. filler of sorts, you know. I can call it the PM stoplight. You know, there's... And, you know, I, I like that name of it because, um, you know, it was all well and good. I liked the name of it because it was like, okay, these people are going to have to make, have, make a major decision if they want to purchase this thing, just like a stoplight or driving. <laughs> um, so 
So okay, so uh, right out of the gate, are you anticipating that this is not going to turn out well? Why you would say they have to make a major decision? Yeah, that's kind of the gag. But I was I was a lot more confident going in this time. I asked you a couple questions, mm-hmm. uh, and we kind of just went over it. How when me and you uh, BS about doing a color, mm-hmm. like okay, we want to do this color. What base are we going to what, what base are you going to put down? You know, it was just kind of like a normal conversation when you're spraying and I'm talking to you and we're passing the time. Um, and Andy was, uh, so when I expressed that, Andy had pretty much like no idea what was going to come out, I'm sure. Um, you know, he probably had an idea, um, but it was up to me to come up with something. Okay, so um, I'm going to put a basis down on this one. So last year, I I did a lot of hands-on show-and-tell for Vance, and there were like certain aspects of, of the baits he painted last year that you would say, this one looks a little different than the rest of these because some of those things I was putting some pieces in to show them. This year, I tried to be a little bit more, all right, here, this is how we do this. I'm going to show you how to change out colors. We're going to do this. Uh, we had a, a, a rough structure on how we wanted to get uh, what the paint layers are going to look like. And I just pretty much went, you do it. I'm going to walk away and, and you do it. Yeah. Last year, this was like jumping in uh, your parents' car and you're 15 and a half with a permit. Nervous as hell. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's kind of how it went. You know? So I was like hitting the brakes a lot. Uh, and... Uh, which is fine. This year, Andy was just like, he gave me a lot of distance and just said, go to town. You know, he showed me how to change out the paints. Um, but I wanted to, that. He showed me more. What, what, what word am I looking for? The technical side of it rather than like the paint, like the yeah, actual at, painting at, and stuff. Yeah. The mechanics of yeah the, the basic functions of, of the, yeah. Yeah. Of the gun, how you how you switch the color, how you you know uh, put some thinner through it to to make sure the colors out of the gun that you've previously le- used, and put a new color into the gun. And uh, Andy has, like I said, was a very efficient way, which he just talked about for a long time. Um, it's pretty much you just it's like a plug and play thing. Um, and when I did it the first time, he was like, make sure it's in there really good. And so I made sure it was in there really good. And when I went to change it, I destroyed the entire bottle. Um, <laughs> he ripped the nozzle ripped. out of the bottle. <laughs> I did. And then the funny part was, and, and it was just a natural human response, but I just think that there's scenarios in my life that I tried to put this, like if this was a comedy movie or something, like just what would, what would be scripted to do. And so he ripped the bottle off to where the nozzle still stuck in the gun, but the bottle's in the other hand. And he just like, oh, so he just puts it back on like it's fixed. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I didn't do that. What do you do? Is is this is this how this works? You leave half of it in the gun as this bottle of paint has a giant hole in the top of it. Tommy boy. Well, first of all, well, first, okay, so Andy's kids come out, and I'm under like extreme pressure here. I want to get this done, you know. And I'm like, f. You know, very dis. Oh, oh he did like, that. He dropped the loudest f bomb possible. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> f. 
And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, damn it, I'm sorry. So three curse words came out uh, as I was trying to apologize uh, for the first curse word. <laughs> Luckily, they were in the other room crawling around and probably breaking things of Andy's. Uh, <laughs> That's what kids do best, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that was uh, that was uh, pretty simple. Once I figured out how to put the the uh, how I wanted to go about layering to have the colors all come out, things started to make sense in my head. And uh, with Andy giving me like three range with it, uh, I I, I kind of like flew through it. It was it was uh it was nice, and I got to do it at my my own pace and like. This came down from priming the thing, starting to prime it. Uh, that was a good way for me to test my motor skills on just putting one solid color on it. Um, and pretty much went from there uh, to, to uh, spray in these different colors. And I kind of got that, that skill of that pullback on the nozzle uh, for the gun to release the paint, whereas last year... Um, I was like pressing it down and nothing was coming out because I was, when you push it forward, it's just there. When you pull back, it engages and shoots out that paint out of the airbrush. Um, believe it or not, that's how they work. But yeah, so, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to break it down a little bit more. So this is a lot of the airbrushes are called two stages. Um, the first stage is you can, <clears throat> so you have that little thing you put your finger on to control how much is coming out. Um, if you just pull straight back, it opens the needle valve, allowing more paint. But if you don't push down, no air is there to, to push it. So generally the first thing you do is you push down, and then you got air coming out the nozzle. Then you can meter how much paint comes out by moving your finger back, um, opening the orifice. And you could pull that thing all the way back full throttle, and it's going to shoot as much as it can out. Or you can bring it back just a little bit, and you have a little bit more a lot more control, but it's going to take a lot longer to put paint down. So mm -hmm. Vance got to play around with full throttle, putting that white down. And then as it kind of, kind of full throttle through my next color, uh, which was, was really simple, which was black. Your first um, color was gold. My first color was gold. Thank you. Uh, so another easy step. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about overspray. I was just putting gold down and trying to not get blotches Big and, runners. Yeah. and runners yes uh so that was another like so all the stuff that you've been doing with all the woodworking you do over the years you haven't really done tedious little paint nothing paint like that like you're no. going here yeah no and I have, not at all I've, I've run paint guns but i've run five gallon buckets through paint guns but mm -hmm. i've never done anything like this yeah it's more like you know when you're when you're dealing with like building and framing and mm -hmm. making tables it's kind of just like brute force and yeah that's uh, the only painting i've ever done the and only with, with a gun like that the only tedious thing uh in making any type of wood project is the finish, the finish you, know, you yeah. can you, you could drop the thing yeah. drop the thing you can just and then you know if you put a nick in it you could sand it right out you know it's yeah. pretty yeah. simple stuff but if you put a big circle paint on that bait 
uh, it's not, it's, there's really no coming back from it. It's, yeah. it's tough to blame. I, I've painted cars, but I've never painted a bait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at this point, when I went on to the second color, again, it was kind of like priming, very easy. Uh, I was just getting a base color down. And then um, I switched. switched I, I, I it think out. you went, went from gold to black. I went from gold to black. That's when I broke the, the black. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is where it got like, I was, I was thinking, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta worry about this overspray. What's going to happen? Because essentially what I did was black the head and black the tail and black the back. And when we say, raptor. yeah, when we, when we say the back people, people get mixed up. When we say the back of the bait, it, it would be what is facing the sky if it were sitting in the water. Um, so like it's in, in our world, the bait is sitting there floating face down in the water. Like if it was a human, its back is up towards the sky, you know, and then the belly is just like, you know, a human belly. It's, it's on what's Perfect facing. Yeah. Yes. So, so this is where I got, where I got nervous about overspray and I was like, well, this is the first time I can really start screwing some things up. And, uh, again, that kind of just came, I kind of blocked that all out of my mind. And I thought I executed it well. And they could have made like really, really nice gold repellents uh, at that point. Um, there was a bit of overspray on one, but it was it was covered up and you, you can't even notice it. But uh, to go from the back, the black and the heads and trying to create, you know, like a 90 degree line uh, of where the head was blacked and, and, and the tail was black. Um kind of was just like eh, willy-nilly i was just like yeah okay i can do this you know this is just like spraying the other colors not much detail work you know mm-hmm. I w- it was simple uh for me to do that i had that down you know i might have you know i would i would probably go broke doing it because i might have used more paint out of the first six you know how andy said like you know i used seven coats at first and now we're down to three maybe i was uh a little bit uh, overkill on it but i was learning and it was feeling good along the way so did you do any uh, barring in your paints no i i did not do any barring uh not not yet and for good reason um (laughs) Because I'm comfortable with this just, I'm comfortable with just putting on layers and having colors come out. Yeah. So the next thing that, that I did was, uh, was red, you know, I'm trying to do this stoplight thing. I'm trying to have red, yellow, and gold in it and stuff like or red, yellow, and green in it. Mm-hmm. So this red was probably the most difficult one to do. Um, because I had to put like just an ever so slight hue coming off of the back of the bait onto the body of the bait. And I did at at points screw up because I was trying to be, uh, too fine with it and like, got like really close to it. And I was like, that just looks like I I put a blotch on it. It looks terrible. It, it, It hung down on the body too much. So I went back to just putting the bait away from me a little bit more after like one or two of them and just sprayed it. And I was like, okay, I can see that red now. 
because the red co- like covers very very well on other colors it's almost like black you know if you screw it up you're gonna see it um yeah i gave pointers to vance like i i'd stop in periodically and when he would when we put the black in i'm like vance this this is gonna spray i keep my black mm-hmm. very thinned out so it comes out hard i mean it just fountains of it um mm-hmm. But I can't really explain that at all. And then when I put the no. red in for for Vance, I'm just like, this is going to cover. Like, whatever this red hits, it doesn't matter what's behind it. It's red now. Yeah. There are some colors that you can put over top, and it, it changes the color. They're almost translucent, mm. you know, in the way it is. But hey, I told Vance that this this red is red. Whatever touches, it's red. Yeah, so I did that, and... You know, like within the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth bait, I was pleased with what came out uh, on the end of that. And I kind of just went back to my brute way of just covering uh, rather than being detailed. Um, So, you know, pulling at this point, pulling back and having the bait very close to me, I still don't have that function of like how to get it to come out real light. You know, to do like a, a lateral line or a bar, I'm feeling good just putting stuff down for, for layering at this point. Um, from there, uh, I grab the most expensive paint we have. Um, and much to Andy's chagrin, he filled up the bottle for me. Because uh, <laughs> he emptied it. <laughs> I did not. Dude, it, there was nothing in there. There was about was, a, a third of a cup in there, but... If that, I mean, here we here we go with this. I didn't. There was nothing in there. It was garbage. I had to tilt the brush back to get it to. It does whatever. This stuff is really really cool and it kind of makes the bait when you. Uh, and, and this stuff, I'm 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 not dogging on you at all about any of this. This stuff sprays so nice. It's the best, and it. I mean, it comes out the brush perfect. And the problem when you have something like that, like similar to what I just mentioned about the black, you can put a lot down and not know it because this stuff is just coming out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I laugh because, you know, there was just a little bit in the jar, whether it was a quarter or a third. It doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah. And you let me know how much it was. Well, yeah, I had to let you know because I saw what I mean, you were so doing I... with the other paint and I just needed like, hey, I don't really want to buy any more of this. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, well, whatever. You can take that out of my, my cut. Um, oh, my gosh. But... I'm not worried about that but because I was afraid. I, I'm, I'll i bring this up later. Continue. Okay, so I, I put that down, and the bait's looking really cool right now, and I'm like, this is great. I'm feeling good. And at this point, I have to incorporate green. Um, so I green the belly with kind of like that, brute force just overspray style and it picked up uh on the belly just just fine you know there wasn't wasn't much overspray but it looked fine like this you know in my mind i want to see like black stoppage gold you know and then it goes all the way over to another 90 degree perfect line that's not happening you're looking for hard lines versus fading Exactly. 
but I was I was more fading. That, that was easier for me. You know, it's really hard to get those lines like that when this is like my, you know, finishing off a dozen baits that I've ever painted and fresh off of six that look absolutely terrible. And so I did that. The belly was done. And I was like, I think this thing is done. And Andy came back in. And he was like, do you want to scale him? No, actually, like, no, th that was backwards. When you finished doing that, you're like, now I'm going to do silver scale. And then okay. I came in to look at you and I noticed which, which hoop you took of the scale netting. And, you know, we got you switched over to silver and I told you, you know, this stuff, you don't need to put it down hard. Um, and then I kind of knew you didn't want that scale netting. So I questioned you about it. And then I, I got you set on the, on the right netting that you, we, we have what we call the tight netting mm -hmm. and Vance loves the tight netting. He, I love the tight netting. And he grabbed one that wasn't that, but it was kind of close to it. So I got him squared away. I kind of showed him what to do. This is where you were reluctant to, to even get near the bait because you're still thinking it's wet because you got to put this netting on it. Exactly. Uh, and I, I, I thought every bait was very wet before I did it, but you were like, no, look, you know, and you touched it with the scale netting and it was, it looked fine. Um, so I did that and it did, it did lay down hard. Um, and it's going to be a bit prominent in it. Uh, and that comes from, you know, me just doing my brute force overspray thing. Um, but you know, I was pretty pleased with the way that it, it turned out with the uh, with the scale netting, and again, you can see like the difference between the first bait I did, the second bait I did, and then the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. I kind of got better at it. I was like, okay, once this thing's on the bait, you spray it. You can't move the scale netting. You know, that screws everything up. Um, and after that, I was pretty I was pretty done. I was like, okay, that's cool. And you're like. You want to halo the eyes, and I was like, uh, "Yeah." No. At this point, you're like, "I'm, I'm pleased. <laughs> I don't want to do another step to mess this up." Mm -hmm. And then I gave you, an, I showed you an example of things that I wish I would have done on one bait, and I didn't mm -hmm. do it for reasons that are beyond me. And then I showed you a bait that I do do it on, and it convinced you to go back and do it. Um, I showed you a basic technique, and what? And I, you know, tried to ex execute that the, the best way I could. Uh, again, this is a pinpoint. I, I have the bait very close to the gun now, and I'm trying to paint something, a little circle, a halo for around a drop-in eye. And that was a bit nerve-wracking. I was like, I could screw this whole thing up. This is the last step, and I could really overspray and screw everything. Um, but it turned out okay. And again, you can see from the first eye that I painted to the second and third and fourth, they kind of, I got more comfortable along the way. And from there it was pretty much done. And I really enjoyed it. I wanted to keep going. Um, I, lo I love it. I love painting, you know, and maybe just maybe I've, you know, built up enough confidence and, well, I have enough confidence, but enough trust in Andy to let me prime baits, help help him in the long run. Mm -hmm. But um, that was pretty much my 
my experience the second time around. I thought it went way better than the first. I felt way more comfortable in what I uh, was doing. Um, I'm by no means a, a good painter um, at all, uh, but I had a lot of fun doing it, and I was satisfied with the uh, the final product of it. I mean, I think it's a world of difference from my first and second, but you know, I'll tackle lateral lines and bars down the way if I want to uh, really uh, crush my confidence. But uh, it was uh, it was fun. It's fun blending. I had like such a fun time just spraying uh, rather than doing uh, the fine the fine work to it. And it's kind of just like a bait that I would use. You know, it's not. It's like a fisherman's color, you know. That's what I would think. Like if I wanted to paint and use, uh, not no like crazy crazy detail to it, but I was just happy with the way that everything blended. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm looking at one now. I have it here. I've been looking at it the whole show, <clears throat> and I don't think I have color combinations on anything I've ever painted like this. You know, it's 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 unique. Um, and some of the stuff, like I'm looking at one right now where Vance was talking, uh, about how his hand got a little jerky on the red and he kind of blotched it down a little bit. I wouldn't say on a bait like this, that that's, that's an error to me. It, it, it kind of goes with it, but you know, some things that I don't know, if, Vance, you might not have picked up on this, but if I point it out, you'll see what I'm saying is when you paint like a solid color, I'm going to pick on black. Um, you paint black. That to me is one of the hardest colors to paint. And I've brought this up many times in the past. If you were entering a bait making contest and you brought, you put in a all black bait, but if I grabbed it and I could not see a flaw, I mean, you got to get my vote because that's the hardest thing to do. Some of the easier paints to pull off are the ones with a whole bunch of colors because you can have... You just got to get like that last top color to lay down right. And you can hide a lot of mistakes. So as I was watching Vance, Vance was doing his coverage. He was, he was throwing a lot of paint at this with, I mean, and, and it's, I, there's times that I do this, that you need, you need to have, you need to have a nice, even dispersal of paint but you don't want any hard lines. And, and Vance was had that technique of I'm not going to get real tight, you know, because there's a confidence and a steadiness that he just didn't have at that point. But if he, if he held it far enough away and he just sprayed the paint at it, he could get a fading effect and things weren't coming at him fast. And, mm-hmm. you know, even with that, I mean, there's, there's still some things and the little shiftiness of the red isn't all that bad because it's blending in. He didn't do it hard. It's blending into the gold pretty decently. And it's uh, it's almost like, I don't want to say on purpose, but it works. It works really nice. And a lot of that, I mean, and I'm doing it, I'm looking at it with an eye that I'm trying to pick this thing apart. Um, as soon as you put that silver scale on top of it, did you notice how most of that disappeared? Yes. Yes. I thought that that was my best friend once I, once I did it. Yes. So when you have solid colors on top, um, those, those are really difficult to to hide anything that you messed up on. But when you throw a metallic or a, you know, a scale or a pearl, something over it that's going to start doing some stuff with the light, 
it's covering a lot of stuff. And, you know, it, it works here. It's, it's, it's unique there. I mean, just, and, and this is something you wouldn't have known right from the get go is, um, holding that scale net really tight to the bait will get you a really crisp line. It, and it, I think it was just, you know, inexperienced with it, but you can get that, that, that tight netting, you know, a lot more crisp. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it, it came out pretty good and it had, you know, interesting color choices. And I don't think that like anything here, it, it's not a gaudy bait. It's not really a natural bait, but it just has a lot of earthy tone types to it that, I mean, I think it's going to work fine. I mean, pe- people will catch fish on it. Um, you got some really neat effects with some of the stuff that we put on it. And I'm, I'm really anxious to, uh, put the eyes in it and start putting epoxy on it. Maybe even tomorrow, uh, they're signed. There's six of them. There's uh three, eight inch Raptors and three soft tail, eight inch Raptors. And they're all signed VK on the top instead of AZ. Uh, so we can distinguish who painted what. So that's interesting. Uh, and those baits, the, uh, you know, part of the proceeds are going to be going to Muskie's Inc and their minnow fund. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Todd, are you still with us? I am here. Okay, do you have any idea on what you're going to want to paint? Because you're up to bat next week. Yeah, I sent I sent Todd a picture. What do you think? Yeah, I think it looks really cool. I'll be honest. I mean, it looks like uh, when Andy started painting. To me. Yeah, I, I mean. Y- I think it's just the natural progression of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I, I could, I could tell you guys till I'm blue in the face on how to do a crisp lateral line. It you'll know it, but you just can't do it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a feel of stuff. And you know, it's, it's not that anyone's better than the other. It's just, I think I did a rough count from the end of November till now I've painted like a thousand baits to completion. When you factor in the two online orders, all the swimmers yep. and all the stuff that I've done for the show, I'm probably nearing a thousand baits. And that's just mm-hmm. in the last three months. So, I mean, it's, it's just something that you just, you just do. Um, just like I'm sure Todd could probably with his eyes closed, get those baits, you know, mixture ready and dumped into the molds. No problem. Yeah, I poured all thousand. Um, yeah. Yep. But what do you have in mind right now? Because in, yeah, in about I, a week, I, I, not my mind, I'm not going to, I can't unveil anything yet. Oh, it's secret. <laughs> yeah. My mind is spinning. I have a couple of different ideas. Well, I mean, we'll allocate you, you know, a half a dozen baits and we'll, yeah. let, you, we'll let you go. Can I use Sharpies? <laughs> Can you use Sharpies? I don't know how well that's going to take the epoxy. <laughs> I've, 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 I've hear tell, I talked to someone not long ago that said that it was, you know, it did not do well with putting the epoxy yeah. on. <laughs> so I'm going to say, we're going to need you to do the airbrush like Vance. Yeah. yeah. We'll get it figured out. We'll get it figured out. Now we're going to put, I mean, we might talk more about this. If, if you do this next week, there's a chance I might be able to slide those things in. Maybe we'll have them for Pennsylvania. Maybe we'll save them for New York. But regardless, it'll be fun. Yes, it will. 
So yeah, it was fun. I had fun. Yeah, and I don't know. You probably you know we we screwed around with some other stuff prior to that, but you were here for about an hour. What do you mm-hmm. think? You painted those six baits in a half hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not not too bad. Not, not too bad. Not too bad. So, you want to have anything else to add, Vance? When will we reveal them to the public? I'm going to probably say like the week of the Muskie Max. Yeah. Because, you know, like last year I tried to do something, you know, fun and kooky and silly with, with the mm-hmm. baits. Um, the Minneapolis Miracle and the Brine Shrimp and all this other stuff. Um, I have a list here. Now, I have, I, I'm, I'm taking inventory prior to going down to the show. And right now I have like 13 different show colors. Now, some of these show colors like might have a single bait painted in that just because it's just, that's how it fell through uh, with everything. But we have a, we have a good number, probably a solid eight or so, eight, maybe nine, 10 of like, we never really ever painted these. Um, you know, and we might, we might do a little, little Facebook stuff. So pay attention to that, you know, coming up end of February, early March, you know, do some, uh, awful Photoshopping like I did last year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was funny. It was fun. Um, or who knows, we might go serious, but regardless, it'll be something fun. Uh, we'll do, and we can we can kind of promote that maybe the ten days or week leading up to the show. Um, Todd, I like it. Todd, you got anything to add before we end it? Like it. I'm I'm ready, ready to go to bed. Me too. <laughs> All right. So with that, final words. Good night, Todd. Um, yes. Big thanks to Fatty Z Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, Saint Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, Vix Marine. Baker Bates, Muskie Max Plus, and Muskies Inc. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, good luck fishing. <laughs>